0: Thank <laughs> you. All right, thank you for joining us again Welcome back to another episode Hey all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place So without further ado, let's dive right into this episode So before we do, uh, we would like to introduce you to our guest The one, the only, Mr. Christopher DeNote I probably mispronounced that, but we're going to go with it. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, um, Chris, you got it right on the first try, so good on you. Um, I'm currently serving on active duty in the Air Force. I'm a veteran of the Air Force and the Air National Guard. I've been in about 22 years now and uh, had my first published fiction in 2019, unless you count my OERs, Uh, but we won't talk about those here. And uh, before we go too much further, I'd just like to say that all views that I express here are my own personal views and do not represent the official policy positions of the United States government, Department of Defense, or the United States Air Force. Uh, Myself and my family, including my uh, fellow author, Jamie Didote, and our daughter, Remy, uh, currently stationed and live in the Florida Panhandle. Second time down here, and uh, so far we're enjoying it.
0: All right. So the next part of the introduction, dear listener, and I should say viewer now, too, since we're on the YouTubes, is uh, where we first I tell you where I first found Christopher. So we actually met through the Galaxy's Edge fan club. uh, And it was nice to talk to someone who wasn't uh, barely out of uh, short pants because, you know, some of those readers over there are might Young. Um, Kids these days, what are you going to do, you know? (laughs) So that's how I first met him. Um, and then the rest was sort of history, and, and he's an active and integral member of the Galaxy's Edge fan club. All right. So um, you just mentioned that you're a member of the U.S. Air Force. So we ask all authors who are also military veterans this question. But how do you feel like your time with the Zoomies affects the kind of stories you tell?
1: Um, it affects it a great deal, and um, I think a lot of it's because of perspective. Um not no offense to the Army and the to the Marine Corps, but I think a lot of military fiction, whether it's um real life based or science fiction or even fantasy, has a overwhelming ground pound of perspective on it. and there's nothing wrong with that. but um, it is nice to sometimes bring in some of the joint perspective, if you will, or a, a different service. There's a lot of good stories to tell from an airman's perspective, and um, I'd like to you know help introduce that uh, somewhat more. and it gives kind of another side of the story which is one of the reasons why writing in the Freehold universe has been so cool so far.
0: So when you're writing these stories, do you ever draw from people you knew in the military? Obviously names changed to protect the innocent or not so innocent. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm fortunate in that my wife is
1: an army Army veteran and uh, we even served together before we started dating uh, as a matter of fact. And um, just a more recent example is something I turned in recently. I had a real hard time coming up with an ending for it. So I called a, a buddy of mine who's been in command uh, for, for the past year or so, and got a really interesting perspective uh, from her that I was able to adapt to help me finish that story. So it's absolutely integral, and um, I absolutely draw on people that I know. We've all got that kind of like uh, perfect NCO in our mind, or that perfect uh, junior officer, or that, you know, the opposite side. We've got the person that we don't wanna be, or that we would hate to serve with or serve under, and that informs how you how you do this.
0: All right. So the flip side of that, does the your time in the service affect the kind of content you engage with as a reader or a viewer, um, given what you know about the world and the government, et cetera? It
1: it can, uh, mainly because I've got a min threshold I think for realism or accuracy. That's probably why. Um, you know, if you try to read something and somebody just gets some of the bare basics, bare bones wrong, you know, it throws you right out. You know what I mean? It's really bad with movies. i one of those people. You know, when it comes to military movies, I'm sitting there going, oh, that's not right. That's, there's no way in heck, you know, I'm one of those. I'll ruin it for you. But um, it does. And not as much because I read a pretty wide variety and, and from a ton of different perspectives. I read a lot of nonfiction, uh, of course, too. But um, in terms of like the stuff that I take the time out of my day to do uh, some, you know, personal reading for, then yeah, I can have that. But at the same token, sometimes I go for the complete opposite, something totally unrelated, just because you need a break. You know, when you live and breathe it all day long, sometimes, you know, you're sitting there going, oh, God, if I got to look at another, you know, thing about this, uh, I'm done.
0: All right, fair enough. And uh, since this is the Blasters and Blaze podcast, we can't let you escape without the religion question. So uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly?
1: I got to go with Star Wars. Um, My dad took me to see uh, all of them. And by that, I mean the only three movies, the only three real movies when I was – I'm as old as the trilogy, um, so I got to see them all, and I s- distinctly remember my dad taking me to see Empire Strikes Back, and I was like barely four years old at that point, point. and I'm so old that I remember Star, uh, A New Hope when it was Star Wars, like there was none of this A New Hope stuff, so yeah, it's got to be Star Wars. I love Firefly. Um, there just wasn't enough of you know what I mean? For me to develop that kind of psycho following uh, brown, uh, brown, uh, brown shirt, uh, brown coat thing. Whoops. I almost slipped up. Yeah. Brown coat. Brown coat. Yes. Uh, thing that they got. <laughs> going. And for me, Star Trek was and always kind of will be two, three and four. You know, Wrath of Khan, Sp- Search for Spock and uh, the Voyage Home, you know, the, the whales, that one. So the, the, I'm, I'm kind of I'm so fixated on that era of Trek that I, I just really can't get into too much else of it.
0: Okay, and because we're polytheistic over here at the Blasters and Blades, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, or the Potterverse? Lord of the Rings, hands down.
1: Uh, first time I read the books, I, I was lucky. I worked in a public library when I was a kid and a teenager, so um, I got to read them all. I was about 10, 11 years old, and um, uh, hands down, Lord of the Rings. I read the I read the Potter series, too, because I wanted to see what all the hype was about, even though I was obviously maybe a little past the, uh, the targeted demographic when it came out. And they were were decent. I don't think it's the greatest thing to slice bread. I know I'm probably going to have somebody staking me out after staying at, you know, I better watch my back. Um, And I have not read or watched a single bit of Game of Thrones.
0: Not one. All right. Fair enough. And so today we'll be conducting a brief episode where we dive into the world of anthologies and short stories. We're going to interview authors about their contribution to the undervalued world of short literature. So the short stories mostly under about 20,000. And this time we have the Freehold Defiance Anthology on deck. So let's see exactly what the Freehold Defiance Anthology is all about. So I'm going to read you the blurb in my most horrific uh, attempt at the movie trailer guy's voice. So... <clears throat> no battle plan survives contact with the enemy. Everyone has a different war. For some in the UN peacekeeping mission to Greneya, the struggle is just to survive. For others, it's to remain sane or keep one's friends and comrades physically and mentally intact. When the rules of engagement are in constant flux and the orders are unclear or based on false information, just getting back inside the fence can be an accomplishment. For the rebels of the Freehold of Ganea, they must form an organized force from the shattered remnants of our military. See, I'm doing a horrible job. Elvis says so. Uh, of their military and from grimly determined and, but under-equipped and outnumbered insurgents. Their war is for their view, their very way of life. They'll do everything and anything to stop the invasion using whatever means are available. They mean to make the enemy suffer. And then there's some quotes in Latin that say, because physical wounds heal. And I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the Latin. But that is a, <laughs> the Freehold Anthology uh, and uh, apparently, even the dog's a critic, but we're here to talk about your contributions to that story. So, Christopher, what was your story titled? Well, I co
1: wrote this one with uh Philip Doc Walrab, um, who's a combat medic, uh, currently in the Virginia Army National Guard, also a former Coastie, too. So, I want to make sure I put my plug in there for my my uh, my awesome co author. Um, it's called Fire in the Deep, Angel in the Wind. Um, I, I think I, I, I had a I don't know. I, I think I kept hearing that Adele song on repeat or something. But there is a, a point to the story and, and to the title. There's a little bit of a connection there.
0: Okay. And um, because we want to keep this quick, what is the basic synopsis of your short story?
1: Um, the basic synopsis of this is you have it's t- it's actually told from the uh, Freehold Universe bad guys perspective, the uh, UN peacekeeper perspective. And it's basically you. It you have a small unit uh, under duress uh, at the beginning of a major UN offensive counteroffensive uh, against the rebels on Grania, and what they're um, this unit basically gets caught in a bad ambush. Um, they gets they have um, unit members that are severely injured, and so they're trying to uh, medevac the area because lift is impossible. Uh, the uh, the LZ is too hot, so they have to they have to start evacuating. Unbeknownst to them, um, one of the uh, members of their team is actually a deeply covered um, UN intelligence ap- uh, asset. So um, there's kind of two stories going on. There's one, the uh, the one that the folks know about, the try and Exfil, the area. There's also the uh, deep cover asset that uh, the UN wants to recover safely so that they're willing to pull out. Uh, They're willing to put more effort in than they might otherwise be. And they've also got an injured Freehold uh, rebel leader who the Freehold wants back uh, very badly. So basically you have a running battle uh, evacuation to find a safe LZ, which Phil wrote some absolutely fantastic action scenes. They're very reminiscent of Predator and Aliens in the way he did it. Meanwhile, I kind of threw in that bigger picture um, of running the entire operation from an air operations, air and space operations center. And then we weave it through trying to rescue this team and the extraordinary efforts that are taken, uh, including a very high-end medevac that occurs at the end.
0: Okay. And what was the inspiration for this story? Um, Like you do, there was a Facebook
1: thread on um, series creator, Michael Z. Williamson's Facebook page that went completely off the rails. He posted a story about a real-world extraordinary aeromedical evacuation mission that took a ton of resources. Um, including a, an AeroMed C-17, an entire trauma team, and an intercontinental AeroMed Aero mission, basically, to save this young soldier's life. And, of course, like you do, you have some ac- somebody show up and actually it. talk about what a waste of time and resources and effort it is. So that tends to draw a lot of uh, Bane and Bane-adjacent uh, authors uh, like uh, Casey Azell and uh, Casey Moores, and it just goes on and on, and we're all dumping on this guy. And then um, I kind of threw in there I says, you know what, Mike, out of spite in your next antho, you ought to put a story uh, based on this in there. And then that kind of spiraled into beautiful, you're hired. Uh, (laughs) So originally uh, kind of intended for KCSL and, uh, but Phil and doc and I uh, ended up taking the, uh, the story beyond the initial idea, which is very much based on this real world incident that I alluded uh, to earlier and uh, ran with it. Mike kind of gave us the outline, what he wanted to see. And uh, we worked from
0: there. OK, that's uh, the surest way to get hired for your own extra project you didn't plan on is to tell an author they should do something like, oh, yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea. You're hired out of that. So does your story? Well, you kind of covered a little bit that your story is in the Freehold universe. But how does your story fit into that larger universe?
1: Well, the most popular parts of Freehold, I think, between the original novel, uh, the the, the soon to be three anthologies listed in, in a book called The Weapon, um, that tells the story of the Freehold War itself. So, from the original attack on Grania all the way till the uh, the Freehold victory, and none of this is spoilers because if you know anything about the series or you look at the series page, you kind of know how it's going to how it ends up. So, uh, unlike Resistance, the previous Antho, which Mike and Jamie Ibsen, God bless them, took each of the stories in it and structured them all like a novel. So chopped them up into different pieces, edited them together. Uh, It's outstanding piece of work. So this, this defiance isn't like that, but it definitely fits into that uh, later phase of the war um, uh, where, you know, kind of um, it's almost reached an equilibrium point uh, between the rebels. They're still very much disadvantaged, but you have conventional force on force activities starting to happen. Uh, The UN has definitely realized that they're on a, they're actually been on the defensive and they're trying to go back on a counteroffensive. So it's in that phase of the war where things are kind of getting a bit ambiguous as to who might uh,
0: come out on top. Okay. So, can you give us a little bit of the Reader's Digest version of the Freehold Universe?
1: Well, um, you have the uh, the UN government, uh, and which has been over in control of the vast majority of human uh, human occupied space. And the bulk of the series takes place before um, first contact with aliens. It happens much later in Mike's timeline, and then the series gets a little bit more space operaish. And there's also uh, you know a whole sub-series about private military contractors and stuff too. But the the, the bulk of the universe is the Freehold War, and it's uh, it's aftermath. Um, so basically, it's a you have an insurgency war between a sophisticated uh, insurgent society and a technologically uh, sophisticated uh, invader. So it's not really like a G Watt stand and it never has been. This is more like, this is more like what you saw in like Bosnia or in Ireland during the troubles or the Anglo Irish war of the early 20th century, or even the Israeli uh, war of independence. It's a lot of that kind of stuff. You know, it's a lot older and a lot nastier uh, kind of insurgency fight because you're dealing with two very sophisticated and kind of diametrically opposed societies. You know, one very centrally controlled, and the other libertarian, almost to the uh, almost to the ridiculous extreme.
0: Okay, thank you for that. And uh, let's see if the other authors come in and do a better job. But given that this story is in the military science fiction genre, is the rest of the universe? Most of it, like I said, a, a lot of it covers the freehold war
1: itself or the aftermath. Like, there's a subcomponent series um, which is uh, about the, a company called Ripple Creek, which is basically a blackwater security in uh, Mike's universe. There, so you've got that sort of sub-sub genre of private military contractor mercs, and then there's a uh, you know a bit of a alien contact first. Um, first contacts uh, aspect that takes place later it, it, somewhat reminiscent of the expanse is a good um, way to, to think of it it's a little bit reminiscent of that only which with a much more military focus
0: okay and um, what is it about the subgenre of military science fiction that appeals to you well
1: reading it, it it makes me think you know about my day job as it were professionally it always forces me to think and I like that. And uh, especially about the moral and ethical side of it rather than the technical side of it, even as technologically focused as Mill's sci-fi can be. But from a writing it perspective, it's very freeing. I don't have to be me in my day job. I can say and do things and explore things that really might otherwise be beyond the pale, you know, or or hard to express in a more academic or professional environment. So I, I like that, you know, kind of freedom to uh, be a little bit more aggressive or a little bit more uh, heavy handed on certain moral things, I guess.
0: Okay. And because we promised this was going to be a short interview for you, dear listener, we have a fun one for you for the road. So which military science, uh, excuse me, which science fiction military unit from any franchise would you want to serve under and why? (laughs)
1: Oh, boy. I got to put the plug in for Nick and Jason, of course, and talk about I'd love to be Legion Dark Ops. Uh, But um, I I think, you know, kind of deep down, um, I'm old school enough that I kind of miss the early Battletech era. I think I'd love to be in Wolf's Dragoons. Uh, The old school interspear mercenaries with kind of the secret horde of uh, technology that they're sitting on. So yeah, I think that might be it. Wolf's Dragoons.
0: All right, and the counter of that which unit would you not want to serve under and explain your answer
1: oh uh, hmm. Hmm. good uh probably the rebels on hoth because i mean you know let's face it they got their ass kicked
0: <laughs> fair enough or anybody in star trek with a red shirt on uh
1: anybody in star trek period sometimes because they're like the Starfleet is the worst space Navy ever. I'm just going to come out and say it there. I said it. So,
0: <laughs> All right. So as we bring this puppy to a close, because like I said to your listener, we promised you this one would be a shorty. Uh, where can listeners find you on the wild, wild web?
1: Um, it's pretty limited so far. I've got an Amazon author page that we just got going and you'll see uh, my appearances in the, the defiance and its predecessor freehold resistance. And also um, space force building a legacy which is kind of like my first uh, published uh, solo fiction um, that uh, is not in a, uh, or pre-created universe. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, that was published by Tuscany Bay and uh, Midland Scribes. Uh, the audio book just came out and um, that one was more of an opportunity to play around with satire and to try and be funny, you know, based on my time in the national guard and also on my sentence, I mean my, my assignment at the Pentagon. So that featured very much in that, in that one.
0: I see what you did there. All right. And you can find us, dear listener and viewer, on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters, tech, and tech blades anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades you can follow us on twitter at sf underscore fantasy underscore show sierra foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show you can email us at blasters and podcast at gmail.com again blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com and our facebook group facebook.com backslash blasters and blades podcast and if you want to support the show you can buy uh, buy us a coffee over at buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr Hanley. Buy me coffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. Be sure to put in the comments that it's for the podcast. And let's be real, Seska and uh, Nick are probably going to be buying bourbon, not coffee, but someone's got to stay sober, so that'll be me. So thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For Nick Garber and Doc Seska, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time, where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom.